everyone. Welcome back to the Phil in Exile podcast. And uh, this week we're going to do something kind of special because it's Valentine's Day, the week of love. And I'm going to tell you a love story. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you a dork's love story. And of course, you've probably guessed that means it is my love story. Um, I need to preface it by saying, though, that you have to remember that you are on my side in this story. I'm the protagonist. You're rooting for me. And I, I tell you that because there are going to be points in this story that are horrific, that are cringy, that that are that I, I look incredibly foolish. And you're going to think, Phil, what an idiot. And I just want to say I'm acknowledging that now so we can save any more humiliation. I went through the humiliation on the front end and I relive it all the time. So you don't need to, you know, it's okay. Just, just go with me. Okay. Remember you're rooting for me in all of this. So the story begins, um, like so many stories in my life at church, because you'll just have to get over it. I grew up a pastor's kid and I ended up becoming a pastor for a while. So it just a lot of, a lot of church stories, get over it. Um, but I was uh, I was in a freshman in college. Most of my friends had gone off to school. I had stayed in town because I had gotten a job and I was paying for part of my school and I needed to keep that good job. So I went to a local university and uh, and so I kept going to church. But all the other people who graduated pretty much took off. So there wasn't really a, a group of college students to run around with at my church. So the youth pastor uh, who ran the high school group, he had a brilliant idea. And he said, hey, why don't you help me out and be a youth sponsor with the high school group? And uh, basically, that that's just code for I would like you to be my free labor uh, as I need you. And so, you know, I, I didn't have anything else better to do. So I agreed. And I, I ended up uh, helping out at events with the high school group. And I remember there was this this really important night that is significant in the story in which I drove somebody home from church. Now, there's nothing romantic going on here. Just to calm down, okay? There was nothing romantic going on, but I got asked to drive this girl, this high schooler, home to, from, from church because she was on my way home. That's all there was to it. Somebody said, hey, Phil, you know, can you drive this girl? She's, you know, about halfway between the church and your house. Can you just drop her off? Uh, she doesn't have a ride tonight. And I said, sure. And and I remember I knew this girl just sort of, you know, because she was in the group. But I didn't I hadn't exchanged a lot of words with her. I didn't know who she really was as a human being. I just I knew her name and I, I, I'd i seen her around. But I remember as we were driving to her house, she was having to give me directions. Because remember, this is before cell phones and nav systems and cars and things like that. So she's, you know, doing the whole like, okay, after the light, make a ride. And then, you know, two streets up, take a left, that kind of thing. And I remember we got to this one point where she said, okay, you're going to, you're going to turn up here on trails end. And then she added kind of under her breath, at least it was the end of the trail for my dad. And I remember hearing that and, and thinking, whoa, because I knew her family had gone through kind of a, 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 a not super pleasant divorce, not 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 only, you know, just a few years before. And uh, and to hear her sort of make this sort of gallows humor reference to it, I, being a bit of a a, 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 a a bit of a dark comedy fan myself, I remember thinking, nice, nice joking about family tragedy. I like it. Nice. But again, there was no no romance, no nothing. Just mental note. Hmm. That that girl's kind of spicy. 
Well, here's the funny thing. She kind of vaporized within a few months. She sort of disappeared into the ether and stopped coming to church. And I got my sights set on another girl. And I started dating this other girl at church. And um, we started going out and we dated for uh, about a year and a half. Now, the reason that's important is that... um, it was, I was in college and in a year and a half, I was now like a junior in college uh, or maybe it was a senior. I think I started dating. Anyhow, I think I was a sophomore when I started dating this girl. But anyhow, I, I was like a senior in college and I'm thinking, okay, like this is the one for me. This girl's for me. She's the one, man. And uh, and I, I thought, you know, I'm going to marry her. She's the one. Now, here's here's the trick. She hadn't gotten that same memo bless her heart. Um, and I don't say bless her heart in that coded, you know, Southern Baptist. I really mean negative things. I mean, poor girl. Here's the deal is, is she told me from day one that she wasn't in love with me, at least not, you know, not, not, not enough to marry me. That's for sure. She told me, cause I remember the first time I told her I loved her, she said in response, she said, I love you too. She hesitated, but then added, I love you too but not in the same way you love me. Now, I I know you're thinking, geez, Phil, that you couldn't get more obvious, but there's two things. One, all right, two things. One is she strung together the words I and love and you. Now, granted, there was something after it, but it was kind of like Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, wah, 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 wah. I love you, wah, wah, wah. I didn't kind of perceive the part about, but not the way you love me. It was enough that I heard the first three words. The second thing is, and and I hate to generalize, but this is my experience. Dudes are dumb. We, like, we, we don't catch the signals, guys. Okay? Well, I'll mention signals maybe again at the end when my now wife claimed she was sending me signals. But, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm real, real bad at catching subtlety and nuance. I just knew here was a girl who was nice to me and she'd gone out with me for about a year and a half. And that seemed sign enough that she could put up with me for the next 50 years. So I was, I was all in, but she, she called and broke up with me. And, uh, and, and, and that was the right thing to do. I no ill will. I mean, at the time I was very upset. Um, and I thought she was making the worst mistake of her life. Um, and she was just just not understanding God's will for her life. But the truth is, is that she was crystal clear and correct. And I was uh, a big ignoramus, which is not unusual in this in this scenario. Um, me being the ignoramus, the other person being spot on. But, uh, you know, so I, I came out of that heartbroken, as you would expect. Right. You know, I here I am. I'm a senior in college. I thought I had found the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And now I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm hopeless. I'm hopeless. And so I I sort of made my first attempt at swearing off romance like that's it. I'm just I know, romance is stupid. It's ridiculous. I'm not going to. I You know, that was that was my first attempt. And then within six months, I found myself kind of like looking at this girl at, in class in my last semester of college going, well, she's cute. And then I was kind of like, oh, I guess maybe I'm maybe I'm not totally done with this, you know, romance thing. But anyhow, uh, I asked her out. She flatly refused me. But I I moved on and I finished college and I graduated with a degree in literature because uh, that's super marketable. And um, I hadn't been smart enough to get a, a, you know, certified to teach or anything. So here I am standing at the end of 
my senior year with a degree in literature, not knowing what I should do. And I thought, you know, I've got it. The solution is always more school. So my dad had become a chaplain at a grad school that was also a seminary. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to go to grad school where I can get a discount because my dad works there. Um, and so I, I applied and enrolled and got in. Here I am. It's the summer before I start my master's degree. And uh, my pastor at church called me up and he said, hey, Phil, I, I, have, I have a thought. You know, we don't really have a big college program, as I mentioned earlier. He said, we don't really have a big college program. And you've kind of hung in here for these four years while you were going to school in town. And, you know, it's it seems like, you know, you kind of know the lay of the land. And here's the thing. You're going to need internship credit in your master's degree. I know because I went to the same grad school. They're going to require you. Everybody who graduates has to have some kind of internship credit. You're going to need some internship credit. I need somebody to babysit a handful of college students because it's never more than that. Could you and I kind of scratch each other's back on this deal? Why don't you kind of run the college group um, such as it is? You know, you can do it for a year, get your internship credit. And then if you want to walk away, you can, whatever. But, you know, I'll pay you a small amount. I think I got paid $150 a month. I thought I'd won the lottery, everybody. That's how broke I was most of the time. And, and I thought, Sure. I mean, again, there weren't that many people. I'd already been, you know, I was already going to that group such as it was on a weekly basis. So I'm like, sure, I guess I'll take over, whatever. And uh, and I said, but I'm going to go out of town on a little tr sort of graduation celebration trip. I'll, I'll, I'll start, you know, the next week. And he was like, that's fine. That's fine. So I got out of town. I come back into town and I, I talked to somebody who also goes to the church and he says, yeah, I, I, there was this girl there on Sunday and she asked about you. And I was like, I, a girl asked about me. What are you talking about? And he said, yeah, she said she knew you. And I was like, what? Who, who was it? And they said, um, her name was Becca. And I was like, Becca, Becca. They said, yeah, she said she knew you in high school. Like you used to, you were in she was in the high school group and you were like a sponsor. I was like, oh, Becca, it was that girl that I drove home that one time. Like, yeah, I hadn't thought of her in forever. Okay, great. So what is she, she back in town? Yeah, yeah. She just, she came to town wanted to come to church and asked about whether or not you were there. And I said, okay, well, you know, I, uh, maybe she'll come back next week. Maybe she won't, whatever. So the next week I show up to church and lo and behold, this, this, girl back. I said, I should say girl. It's, it's probably 20 at that point. This woman, Becca shows up and, uh, and you know, I, I will admit that I was a little, uh, stunned cause she was, I didn't remember her being so beautiful when I saw her in high school. You know, I mean, maybe it was just, my voice is cracking as I talk about it. I was going through puberty at the time. I don't know. Maybe it was just that it seemed creepy, like a college guy, you know, and a high school girl or something, even though, yeah, anyhow, I, 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 I don't remember, but I remember now I was, I was when she was there and I was like, well, she's lovely, you know, she's a beautiful human being and, um, you know, but, but uh, yeah, beauty's only skin deep. I mean, come on, calm down. You know, like this is just, just there's more to this than just that. And, uh, and then she started talking to me and I remembered, oh yeah, she was the spicy one. She was the one that made that joke about her family when we turned on Trails End. I still remembered that joke. 
several years later. And I was like, oh, yeah. And we talked and she still had that same spark, that same sort of like, you know, I don't know, something, something about her. Just, uh, I don't know. I was like, oh, she's pretty cool. But then here I was. I'm now like, once again, I'm like, I'm the college leader. I'm the like college pastor, for lack of a better term, even though I had no credentials and no reason to be doing that job other than for internship credit. But I'm like that again, it seems a little cre like I'm not going to I don't want to ask her. Right? That seems like that's, that seems a little weird. You know, like, hey, want to have a Bible study one on one? You know, like I, nothing about that seemed OK. So, you know, I was just like, forget about it. Don't 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 do anything. So. The summer, the great thing about the summer was is that everybody came back from their colleges during the summer. And so there was all this energy and all these college students. And they were like, let's get together. Let's do stuff. You know, college students are great that way. And then we were doing all these activities. It was the 90s. We were like going bowling, going to coffee houses where there was beat poetry and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. We were going to going all over the place, doing fun stuff and having a good time and doing church together. And, you know, we kind of got close as a group. But then, you know, August comes around. August comes around and people start disappearing. And sure enough, this girl, Becca, she she goes back to school in Kansas. And I remember thinking, OK, well, whew, OK, got out of that. And then there was another girl that it was kind of I don't know. I think she was throwing herself at me and I got kind of distracted by her and I, I, I that didn't work out. Anyhow, I it, it was weird. But but the point is, is that I started grad school and grad school was hard. I went to a very hard grad school. College had not been that hard. I didn't think I mean, I'm not saying I'm that's not a brag. I'm just saying it wasn't murder. Um I got to grad school and I was like, holy smokes, this place is hard. And and it had a reputation for being hard. I should have known that, actually. It had a reputation for being uh, quite rigorous, but uh, I discovered it the hard way. And I, I remember I was just like, I've got to just buckle down and work. No time for thinking about anything else. And that's what I did. I was go still working a job to help pay for this. I was going to school. I was swamped, man. That's all I had time for. And I, I remember in, a, in the middle of the fall... Probably, I don't know, maybe October. I got a phone call. I got a phone call from the from Kansas, from this girl, Becca. Now, you have to remember, in 1994, to get a phone call from another state was long distance. You paid by the minute for that stuff. These were not inexpensive phone calls, okay? Anybody old enough to remember long distance knows that this was this was big business and and it was expensive to talk to people who were not in your area code. And so, uh, you know, here's the girl calling from t two states over and and uh, and I'm like, oh, gosh, OK. So I said, hey, what you know, what's going on? And she said, oh, I just you know, I was I was kind of having trouble with my roommate here at college. And I thought since you're kind of technically like my pastor, you know, like Sunday school teacher, pastor, whatever. Like, maybe you could offer me some advice about the situation. I was like, oh, okay, um, uh, sh sure, I'll I'll do my best. And we talked for a while and, you know, kind of a strangely long phone call, actually. And again, I was thinking, like, this is costing her a fortune. And, and uh, you know, I feel bad. So I'm like, I was kind of trying to wrap it up. Like, well, I think I've given you all the advice I've got. And, you know, uh, good luck with your roommate. And we hung up and I moved on to my whatever my homework was. And uh, and then, you know, I don't know, 10 days later, I get another call. She calls back. She's like, hey. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? 
How's it going with the roommate? She gives me a little update about the roommate. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, new scenario, new, new event. Let me offer some advice. And, uh, and we talk some more. I hear more about her life and what's going on. And I think, okay, wow, that's great. I would later find out that she didn't really have any major problems with her roommate, that this was just an excuse to call. But you, you're, remember, you're on my side. I was being deceived, okay? To be fair, I was being deceived. She was saying, I'm calling for like pastoral advice. She, I got led astray there. So just back off. But she she was calling fairly regularly now at this point, and now we're we're up to Thanksgiving. Like I was probably getting calls every week, or maybe more frequently. I don't quite remember. But then we get to Thanksgiving, and everybody comes back for Thanksgiving week. College students come back, and I remember this was a big deal on Thanksgiving week. It was Sunday morning, and I have this influx of college students in class. And uh, I remember saying, hey, guys, you know, welcome back for the, the week. And, you know, I want to plan activities for everybody. But I also know there's sometimes family obligations on Thanksgiving and stuff. So, you know, if if there's if there's some times you want to get together, like I don't want to over program, but I also don't want to miss out on an opportunity. How often do you all want to meet? That was my question. How often would you all like to get together and do stuff? And Becca's hand flies in the air, and I go, yeah, Beck, what, 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 what do you think? She goes, every day. Every day. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we have a vote for every day. All right. Good. Uh, any other thoughts? You know, another, everybody else is kind of like, I don't know, whatever, I don't know. She's like, every day. We should do something every day. You, we should do something as, uh, every day. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I don't know if we're going to quite nail down every day, but we'll, you know, we'll do, well, I will certainly, I will program some things for us to do, you know? And so we did stuff. And again, it was like, oh, we're all going to go get an ice cream or we're going to go, you know, whatever. It was low impact stuff, but she was there, Johnny on the spot every time. Like, you know, I want to be there. I want to be there. She also, I noticed had this thing where she was like, by the way, my car is broken down could you give me a ride home at the end of the event? My my mom can take me, but it's going to be late and she don't want to get back out when it's late. And so do you mind just dropping me back at my house? Cause I know you still live in, you know, the, the next town up. Can you, can you just drop me off again, guys? I'm just, I was just trying to be nice. Okay. I was just, I was like, again, it was my, I was, it was practically my job. I'm, I'm the like college leader. It's my job to, I, I anyhow. So, so we're getting together a lot and I'm giving her rides home uh, quite a bit. And uh, and I remember in particular, it was like Friday night, you know, and, and a lot of people had gone out of town for Thanksgiving to go visit grandma or, you know, Aunt Mildred or whatever. And she called up and she said, hey, hey, I know you like art house movies, which I, I do. I like art house movies. So sue me. I'm I'm pretentious. And and she said, there's this movie that I rented at Blockbuster. Um, and I want to watch it, but our VCR's broken. Can I come over and watch it with you? Okay. Again, I know I can feel your eyes rolling. I don't even I can feel it. I can feel your disgust right now. And you need to dial it back, everybody. Cause I what am I supposed to think? What am I supposed to think? Be honest, like, I, uh, anyhow, 
But at this point, I probably am beginning to have some like feelings for this girl, like, oh, wow, she's pretty great and I'm spending all this time with her. But again, I'm thinking this is there's something, un, I don't know, potentially untoward about the whole thing as her like Sunday school teacher. I probably shouldn't be like swooping in trying to date her. It just I don't know, something about it fell off. So she calls and says, I got this video. You want to watch this art house movie? Can I come watch it at your place? And I'm like, mm, that sure is starting to sound like a date. I didn't say that to her, but that's what I'm thinking. Like that could, you know, and I like being, I don't want anybody to be like, oh, you're having personal alone events with Becca. Like mm -hmm, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like I thought I maybe I need to I was like okay I need to find somebody else so I like I think at this point we were doing email I'd like send an email anybody want to come anybody want to come see this art house movie my place you know seven o'clock eight o'clock on Friday whatever anybody want to come watch it crickets not a lot of people wanted to see farewell my concubine it's a great movie by the way you should check it out it's really really a fine film um but anyhow I got no responses and so I called her back and I'm like, you know, nobody else wants to do it. She goes, that's fine. I'll just watch with you. Okay. Again, just, just knock it off. So I, I thought I can't, I, I, I literally thought I, I need to like find a way to not make this into a date so that there's no confusion, which is funny since I was woefully confused, but I called up my buddy Jake and I said, Jake, do me a favor. Can you come watch this movie? I've I've helped you out before in situations. Can you come do me a solid and come watch this movie with me and Becca? Um, Becca and me for all of my English friends. Um, so, and the thing is, is that my friend Jake, that's not really his flavor of movie. Not not so much. But he, he was a true friend, and he he did. He said, "All right, man, I'll come watch this." And 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 of course, Becca had said, hey, I, I don't have a ride. You know, the car's broken story again. And so she said, can you pick me up? So imagine her shock when I pull up with Jake in the car. And she's like, oh, Jake's coming too. And I'm like, yeah, he's a big fan of, big fan of art house Chinese movies. <laughs> so, so we go sit on my sofa, the three of us, and watch this movie awkwardly. And, um, and uh, then at the end of the night, we drop her off first. And then Jake's like, dude, she likes you. And I was like, no, 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 that is not true. She just has a very bubbly personality. She's like got personality to spare. She's nice to everybody. And it's true. She is nice to everybody. Okay. She's very nice and outgoing. So I was like, I don't see that she's necessarily being nicer to me than anyone else. It just so happens we have a lot of overlapping interests and she doesn't have a ride. It just looks funny, but she doesn't like me. That's ridiculous. He's like, dude, she likes you. I'm like, I don't, that's not, no, I don't see it. I don't think that's correct. And, you know, break ends. She goes back to Kansas. But now I got to be honest. Now I'm in trouble because now I like her. I like her, whether she likes me or not, which I was sure she didn't. I'm falling for this girl. Like, ugh, cause she's, you gotta understand. She, her, she's like, the only thing better than her beauty is her personality, man. Like she's gorgeous and smart and creative. And like, ugh, it's just, it's just murder. It's just unbelievable. So, and, and I, and I'm, yeah, anyhow. It just didn't seem like it made any sense whatsoever. I couldn't, I couldn't square that circle in my head. 
So I'm like, look, Phil, this is this is ridiculous. But now I had the conflict. I had the inner conflict, man. It was working me over. And I remember, I, I, you know how you start to do these little gateway drug things, right? So I said, her birthday was coming up um, on uh, d- in December, and and you know it was going to happen between Thanksgiving and then Christmas break. And I, I was, ha- I wasn't just sending her birthday things. I was sending cards to all the college students and things, and saying here, happy birthday. Maybe sending like you know whatever, a little box of cookies or something. I was trying to be a good you know college pastor. Uh, and, and so I thought, okay, I'll send her, I'll send her something. And so, you know, I wrote her a letter and it's possible that that letter was a little more, um, I I may have spent a little more time on that letter than I did on the other birthday letters. The other birthday cards may have just been a card with my signature on it. I, I do remember that I wrote her something a little more lengthy. Um, and, and I didn't just get her cookies. I got her um a, a a copy of one of my favorite books and I, I okay i it was i was starting to show my hand here let's be honest but i was telling myself well is this just i'm not really doing any any overt you know there's no like declarations of love here i'm just giving her a slightly better birthday gift than i did the other guy you know like is uh, sure it's harmless right there's nothing nothing to it and uh, she came back at Christmas. And once again, I say to the college group, hey, everybody, you're back for the break. I want to make sure I program lots of good stuff for everybody at the break. How often would you all like to have activities? That's right. Becca's hand goes up. I say, yes, Becca. And she says, every day. And I go, okay. And then afterwards, she says, by the way, my car is still broken. Can you give me rides? Okay. So during the Christmas break, there's activities and we're all getting together and it's fun and festive and everything else. And, uh, and now I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm genuinely in trouble. Because I'm like in love with a girl I've never gone on a date with. Although some could argue that I've had many quasi-dates with her at this point with all of the church activities. You know, I guess they call it group dating now. That wasn't really a thing uh, when I was younger. But I, anyhow, I didn't... Now I was just... I was wrecked. I was in trouble. This was keeping me up nights. I'm like, oh, man. And now, and now I'm like also... And this is going to sound terrible, but I was like... Am I going to have to resign from, if I ask this girl out, I'm going to have to resign from my internship and I kind of need the internship. So then I'm like, well, can I just put this off? Can I just put this away out of my brain for another six months or something? Like get through a whole school year and like, you know, and, and, but, uh, you know, if you've ever, if you've ever fallen hard in love, you know how this goes, you know how this goes. There was no hope for me. None. Zilch. So we're getting together over the break. We're, you know, uh, having all these activities. We get to the end of the break. We get to the end of the break and uh, we're having this like, you know, sort of New Year's party, uh, you know, into the end of the break party. And we're over at a friend's house. And um, and of course, I'm giving her a ride home. And at this point, I'm like, I'm 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 in trouble. Like I'm I'm wrecked. I got to do something. I got to at least 
I think maybe I got to tell her that I've fallen for her. So I knew I had this car ride home. So I'm like, I'll just tell her tonight. And that way, because she was going to get in her car and drive back to Kansas the next day, I thought, if this goes horribly wrong, if she looks at me and goes, oh my gosh, I think of you as my brother, like, which I really thought that was how this would go. I thought at least she can just get out of the car, go home, get in her car tomorrow, drive two states over and never come back if she doesn't want to. And that will spare her the humiliation, right? Of, of looking on me and my, and my shame ever again. So I thought, okay, this is it tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to un unclasp my soul to her. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm sweating it, but I'm like, okay, into the night's drawing. And I'm like, well, let's just go ahead and get out of here. We won't be the last ones to leave. I'm like, Hey, you ready to go? And she says, sure. And as we're kind of heading towards the door, this guy, Chris walks up and goes, dude, Phil, Hey, I live really close to Becca. Can you drop me off too? Now, Chris is a great guy. Chris is a phenomenal guy. But at that moment, I really wanted him dead um, because Chris lives between Becca and me. So if I'm driving from south to north, which is what I would have done, it would have been awkward to drive past Becca's house, drop Chris off and go back to Becca's house. Chris would have known because Chris knew exactly where Becca lived because their mothers were friends and they had played together as children. So he would have been like, dude, Phil, why are you going out of your way to drop me off? Like it would have been oh, oh, terrible. So I just decided, OK, I can't do this. I'm not going to be able to. Um, unburden myself of this weight of love tonight. So I instead thought I need to like do something though. I've got to do something. But you, now I'm in this panic mode and everyone's looking at me like, I thought you said we were ready to go. And I'm like, just a second. I need, I, I need to go one second. And I ran into, uh, we were at this house of these friends of ours. I ran into the office and I was looking around for a piece of paper. I thought I'll write a note. I'll write some kind of note. I'll, I'll just jot something down. And, and, uh, and I, I couldn't find anything like I, I finally found sticky notes, you know, a little yellow sticky note pad. And and I thought, OK, you can't get a lot on there. All right. So I thought, make it count, Phil. Make it count. What are you going to say? I knew I love you. Is so what like what? That's like that's that's DEFCON 1. Like you that's it. And that's hitting the nuclear button. Like you don't do that on a, on a sticky note. So I thought, OK, 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 OK. And I, I just wrote. I'm really going to miss you. It's all I wrote. I'm really going to miss you. And I grabbed that sticky note and I stuck it in my pocket. And, uh, you know, we drove to drove to the house, you know, and, and Chris is, was the kind of guy who was like, oh, there's a good song. Turn it up. So there wasn't a lot of conversation in the car. And uh, we get to Becca's house and I'm like, hang on, Chris, I'm going to just walk her up to the door. It's very dark, you know, and I'm and I'm a gentleman. And uh, and so I walked her up to the door and I got her up there and I was just like, well, I guess, you know, you're going back to school tomorrow. Um, I hope you have a good trip. Um, uh, you know, good, good rest, good next semester. And, uh, and then I just kind of reached in my pocket and took out the signet, shoved it in her hand and walked off because I am a cowardly gentleman. That's what I am. I am a coward. And I ran down the steps, got in my car and sped away like Starsky and Hutch. Okay. And so, <sighs> I dropped off Chris, went home, probably didn't sleep much. And, uh, and, and Becca's crafty. She didn't like 
call me the next morning when it was a free call or anything. Uh, I don't even think she called for several days. We wrote letters. She wrote me a letter, said, I got your note. Thanks. Appreciate your note. And we were writing letters now because, again, the, 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 the phone calls are expensive. And I think her mom had found out she'd been calling Dallas more than, than she should have and kind of locked that down. And, and so we were exchanging letters. And the thing about letters, again, for all you people who are sort of, you know, don't remember letters, the, the, you'd write a letter, you'd put it in the mailbox, and it, it might go sit in the mail, mail room, you know, overnight, the post office overnight, and then go out the next day and it... You know, it, it may have gotten on a truck that then drives a couple of states and then it goes to that post office and then it gets sorted. And then it ends up in a bag and then it goes out with a guy to go get delivered. And, you know, this it, all it's just like th it was at least a three day sort of affair to get a, a piece of mail from one place to the other. And then if that person got the letter, let's say they wrote back that night, they can't put it in the mail until the next day. Then there's a nut. So you're talking a week is about the the frequency you could have a correspondence back and forth one time. You know, the like, I'm gonna write you, you write me back was about a week. And I remember I was writing her letters, but we were, we were now doubling up on the letters. So we weren't waiting to hear back from the other person. We were writing one and then maybe writing one a couple days later, like, hey, I know you haven't had time to write back, but I was thinking of you. I Again, I understand what it looks like. I'm I'm standing here now too looking at this situation and I get I get how it looks. And it, I get that it seems like I was clueless and there's a fair argument for that. But just bear with me. So we're exchanging letters and I am I I confess this is the worst this is the, the this is I don't know if this is my biggest shame cuz there's so many points of shame in this story. But I I was fishing in the letters. I basically wanted her to say something before me. So I was, you know, it was sort of objection, your honor. He's leading the witness. Like I was really throwing things out there like, well, boy, now that everybody's left and gone back to college, it's really lonely. You know, I'm just really, really feeling that sense of, of isolation, how good it is to have another person in your life. Do you, don't you feel that way? I, it was shameless or shameful. I don't know which. It was there but there was shame. I should be ashamed. It was terrible. It was horrendous. And I'm writing these increasingly fishing letters and finally Becca writes back a letter. This is masterstroke. She's so like smart. She writes back a letter. I open it up. All it has in the letter, it's one page and it's only a couple of lines and it says if you have something to say, comma, say it, period. Signed, Becca. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So the gloves are off. So ball's in my court. If you have something to say, say it, she says. Okay. All right. Well, I, I'm one of these people where if you, if you simply give me permission... Like, if you say, I want you to say something, I really will. And I, like, proceed with caution. Because if you say, go unfiltered, like, you should be ready. Because anything could come out. And so I thought, well, now she's asked for it. 
So I guess I got my wish. I made her demand it from me. Again, it's all it's all really not not a flattering portrait of me. But I sat down and I thought, okay, I'm gonna write her. Because I, I wanna, you know, I wanna be in control of this delivery of this message. Uh looking back, probably should have called. Because what I produced was nine handwritten pages long. That <laughs> I can hear you laughing in the car on your on your jog. I you're you're making fun of me right now. You've paused to say, honey, you won't believe this. Phil wrote, that's right. I wrote nine single-spaced handwritten pages. Not front and back, because I'm not a monster. That's hard to read. It's just fronts. But I I wrote nine pages. Yes, I did. Now, for the record, the first line was, I'm just going to say this now so you can stop reading if you want to, but I am totally mad about you. I am smitten. And then I went on to basically say but I'm sure I'm reading this wrong and I realize it's probably a terrible idea and the timing's wrong and I don't, you know, I'm sorry for the Chicago fire. And I, you know, like I, 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 I then went into apology mode somehow. And again, it was just, I don't even, I just remember at the end of nine pages on one hand, my brain said, perfect. This, this sums it up. And then this other part of my brain said, this is a terrible idea. And I lived with that tension. And because I, I folded the thing up, I knew I didn't have the energy. I thought if I tried to write anything else, it was going to actually give me a stroke. I was so keyed up. So I thought, okay, I can't write anything else. This is it. So I, I took the letter and 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 I, I thought, okay, I've gotta I've gotta deliver this letter somehow. Like I've got to make sure it happens. Cause I still have the chance to chicken out. Just because you wrote the letter doesn't mean you have to mail the letter, right? And here's the thing. When when it was the 1990s, you could go put it in your mailbox. I guess you can still do this with mail. I, I don't know why I'm explaining it so much, but you can go put it in your mailbox and wait for the postal person to pick it up. Um, can't do that here in Germany, ironically, but you can do that in America. You can just leave it there and they'll come take it away. But I knew that if I put it in the mailbox, that gave me time to go back and pull it out of the mailbox. So I knew I had to go to one of those big blue mailboxes where you have to like pull the lever down and drop it in. And then it like eats it and you can't get your arm down in it. And even if you try, it's a federal crime. Like I needed to find one of those mailboxes. So I remember I went up to a mailbox like that, that was near the post office. And I was standing there holding this letter and I was doing this dance. I was like with my left hand opening the drawer and like half inserting the letter and then pulling it back out and going, no, 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 this is a terrible idea. This is a terrible idea. Don't do this. Don't do this. Whatever you do, don't do this. This is a terrible idea. Don't do this. And then I go, no, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. So then I'd open the, and I'd slide it halfway. And I go, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. That's terrible. That's the worst idea you've ever had in the history of ideas. Don't do that. And I go, Phil, come on, come on, do. And I, I stood there for many minutes. I, I, I must have looked like I was having a psychotic episode. Finally, I opened it up and I was like, ah! like I was thrusting a spear into a dragon's belly. And I dropped that thing in there and I immediately, I mean, it's lucky I didn't follow it with vomit into that. My stomach dropped out and I was like, no, what have I done? Ah. And now the die is cast. There's nothing you can do. It's down the gullet of the mailbox. I can't get it out. It's going.
you know, unless unless I do some elaborate heist of a postal truck, which again, federal prison, I'm not that good, whatever is done. It's going now. Now, the other mistake I made is I sent this on like a, a, a Friday, which you, you always try to avoid sending mail over the weekend because that whole three day thing. Now you got the weekend and, and places aren't open and it's going to sit and it's going to wait. So now I didn't really know when it was going to arrive. And and so I was like, oh, it could, it could arrive on Monday if all you know systems are go, but it might not. I don't know. So Monday comes around and I go to work and uh, and I get a call that evening from after work uh, uh, that I get a call from from Kansas. I pick up the phone. Hello. Hey, this is Becca. Oh, hey, Becca. How are you? She's like, good. How are you? And I'm thinking, okay, either she's really toying with me or she hasn't gotten the letter. So we talked for a couple of minutes and I finally go, you know, I'm going to stop you for a second. Did you get a letter for me today in the mail? She went, no, should I have? I said, well, I, I, I sent you a letter on Friday and she went, I'll go check. Click. Hung up the phone. Now the problem was I had a night class. And so I went to my night class and, uh, no cell phones. I, my night class was downtown. I was there until late. I came home, whatever. Ned didn't hear anything. Letter must not have come. Next day, next day, I'm in the same boat. It's the afternoon. I have a night class. She hasn't checked her mail. She goes to check her mail, but I'm in class. So now I'm sitting in class and I know on this Tuesday night class, I know that letter has arrived. I know it's there. I know it's there. It's there for sure. And so I, I don't, I didn't learn anything that night in class. And, uh, and I remember coming home and there was a message call Becca Roth. So I picked up the phone and, um, and I dialed her number. And again, this is before we had caller ID or you didn't know who was like, maybe rich people had caller ID. We didn't. And she picks up the phone and says, hello. And I say, hey, Becca, this is Phil. And she said, finally. And my brain exploded. Because I thought, wait a minute, finally, finally sounds like I finally said the thing. I finally sent the letter. I finally figured it out. She doesn't sound angry. She doesn't, she didn't say, what the heck? What, how did you get this? So she said, F and my brain is, is exploding and my heart is going to burst and I'm like, I can, I'm, I'm hot. I've just gone up 75 degrees in my body temperature and I don't know what's going on. And I look and, and I notice the phone cords doing something funny. Now I had a phone. It was one of these phones that had a cradle and a handset. And then this long curly Q cord that went between it. And I had an extra long curly Q cord because that way I could like walk around my room and go over to my desk and go over to my bed and you sit on my chair. I had, I had a long cord. And I remember I was standing in the middle of my room 
And I looked down and the cord was like going crazy. And it was like making a sine wave. It was, it was nuts. And I remember looking and thinking, why is the cord doing that? And then I looked down in this like out of body experience. And I saw that I was jumping up and down involuntarily in place. I was just hopping up and down with elation and excitement. And I was just a mess. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to drop dead if I don't get my act together. Anyhow, I stopped jumping. I started breathing again and we started talking. And she said, I've been waiting for you to say this for so long. And I was done. I was done for. I didn't tell her that moment that I was in love with her. I didn't say, oh, by the way, I'd like to go ahead and just propose now. I went ahead and went through the process of dating. But I knew. I knew. And here's what's funny. She told me later, she said, Phil, I knew before you ever, ever asked me, I knew that first summer that I came back from Kansas and we reconnected. I knew, she said, I told my mom and my sister, I'm going to marry Phil Bryan. And they were like, you're going to marry Phil Bryan, the Sunday school teacher. That's who you're going to marry. Like, why on earth would you do that? Like, you're going to, why? And she's like, I'm going to marry him. He doesn't know it yet. He doesn't know it, but he's going to, I'm going to marry that man. And I did not know it. And I brought this up to her. I'm like, if you knew that, you know, you could have taken me off the hook a little bit. If you knew that, you could have made it obvious. And she said, obvious, obvious. She said, I was, I, I was sending you signals all the time. Okay, back to my signals thing. Okay, I will concede that men are dull of brain. But ladies, come on. You, you got to make it obvious. I said, what signals were you signaling me with? She said, I was looking at you all the time. I was like sending you. I say I was looking at you all the time. I said, I was the Sunday school teacher. I was standing up. Everyone was looking at me. Was I supposed to think Jeff was in love with me? Was I supposed to think Paul was in love with me? Everybody was looking at you. you weren't, you're terrible at the eye game. If that's what you think you were. Anyhow, I mean, here's the thing. You could walk up and grab me by the shirt collar and give me a kiss, and I'd still probably find a way to go, I wonder what she means by that. But it would have been clearer than I'm sending you signals with my eyes. Okay, I don't, I'm, at best, I'm going to go, she thinks I have something in my teeth. Like that, I'm not going to get it. But at least there's a happy ending. That is the story of how I found the great love of my life. And she is the love of my life. She's my antidote to this world. She's the greatest. She's amazing. But I'll not gush anymore about this. I only tell this story because it uh, does a good job of making me look ridiculous. And I hope it gives some sort of uh, sense of, of hope itself to other dorks in the world that, you know, there's true love out there. I'm a hopeless romantic, really, when it comes down to it. I know I get pegged as cynical all the time, but I'm only cynical about everybody else. I'm a hopeless romantic about myself. And I'm telling you what, man, she, there's hope. I, 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 I remember, I remember that, that I ran into this, 
uh, I may have told this story before. I don't know, but I, I married, I married this woman, and I, we, we reconnected with a professor of mine later, and he talked to her, and he came up to me afterwards, and he said, "Phil, we all marry up, but you married so far up, it's illegal." That's what he said to me, um, and and that's that's been true all along. I'm telling you, it's she's she's something else, and I got her. Ha! Now, we have looked back at the many years of correspondence that we shared, and my letters are pathetic. Good heavens. They're so bad. It's a miracle I got her, frankly. It's it's total miracle. Um, once upon a time, she used to look at those letters and go, oh, it's sweet. Now she looks and she's like, honey, this is, this is bad. This doesn't look so good for you. <laughs> That's okay. I got her. I got her. We love each other. We've been married many, many, many years. And I don't say that because I don't know the number. We've been married almost 27 years. There you go. Take that. So, hope for all the nerds and dorks and weirdos and outcasts out there. If I can find true love, you can too. So, happy Valentines. If you're having a particularly lonely Valentines, then, you know, I highly recommend you listen to some incredibly sad music. I think uh, Lush Life by Ella Fitzgerald is fantastic. Why Can't I Fall in Love? Uh, by it's one of the Neville's Neville brothers that sings that. That's a great one. Um, Born to be blue. That's that's another good one. There's some good ones out there, but not for me. Great songs, great songs. Go ahead and just mm, have a big plate of sadness. But if you are in love, ain't it great? Ain't it great? <laughs> well, that's all for today. I hope you are well, and I want to never forget to say that I would like to wish. Peace and love to everyone.